I'm Whitney. I'm Mindy. And I'm Deb. We're three best friends who love nerdy things. Well, some people think we're nerdy, but we think we're pretty awesome. This is our nerdiest thing. Hello, fellow nerds, and welcome to Our Nerdiest Thing. Today, we're talking about Scarlet St. Clair's King of Battle and Blood, and we are spoiler-friendly, so we're probably going to be talking a little bit about Queen of Myth and Monsters as well, so listen carefully. Before we get started, Deb, will you share our nerdiest cocktail for this week? Of course. So tonight, we are drinking the Red Palace. It is a really, really delicious concoction of... Zero sugar cherry Coke, two shots of vodka, a tablespoon of vanilla, a tablespoon of the make and muddle spicy cherry elixir, and then you put two little cherries on top for the little fang pricks at the Red Palace. Oh, nice. Uh, And it is so delicious. It tastes like the um, cherry vanilla drink she used to get at Sonic. It is really good. Yeah. It's delicious. Yeah. And um, really cool news for the upcoming season is Make and Metal will be providing all of the elixirs for our drinks moving forward. So I can't wait to share those. If you want this cocktail recipe, you can go to our website, OurNerdiestThing.com, or it is on our Instagram at OurNerdiestThing thing. Well, since we are talking about an entire book, we're not going to do a recap, but kind of. We're going to do a synopsis, and we're still going to do it in 30 seconds. We already spun the wheel of names, and Mindy, who was our lucky winner? That would be you, lovely Whitney. (laughs) It was me. Yay! Let's see if you can narrow down 300 and something pages in 30 seconds. I mean, I'm sure I can. You have a tenth of a second for each page. It's going to be really terrible. So (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and start the timer, and we're just going to see what happens. Go. So we have Isolde and she is a princess and her kingdom is being overtaken by basically vampires. And she is in a basically arranged slash forced marriage with the king of the vampires who is super hot and she is super into even though she feels very ashamed about that. And she becomes an enemy to her people and all kinds of drama happens in her new land. And she really loves the vampire king and um, she is reincarnated. The end. That was actually pretty good, right? I was like, oh, overarching theme. Yeah, yeah. You got in there. Thank you so much. (laughs) I was was waiting for the reincarnation part, pretty big plot point. I feel like I left out a lot of really important but things. But I was focused too much as you were talking on like the vassals and the curse that goes through mm-hmm. the land and um, all the times that they do it, which is really, really fun. Well, yeah, she's she's into him. Yeah, yeah she that's is. A, I mean, she's into him, but she's ashamed. If you have read this book, you are also into him. I can promise you that much. This is true. Unless you picture him at first like Fabio. Oh, yeah, I forgot that you did that. Whitney, or Whitney, Mindy kept texting us going, okay, who do you picture as this guy? Because I keep picturing Fabio, and it's just not doing it for me. (laughs) I will link a picture of Fabio in our Instagram post, because some of you may not know who that is. I was just thinking, some of our younger listeners are probably like, who? Um, Oh, my gosh. Well, Fabio can be credited with essentially bringing the romance cover to fruition. He was like the first romance author model from that's, what i yeah, understand that's true. yeah long blonde well, he's hair. definitely the most well known well known had, yeah like, had been put out there like if there's some guy's hair blowing in the breeze and his <laughs> shirt's unbuttoned on a 1980s book cover that's probably fabio yeah. <laughs> or if you're watching um i can't believe it's not butter commercials oh my gosh <laughs> remember when he was i can't in those? believe it's no butter <laughs> <laughs> 
Fabio or Arnold Speedy Gonzalez? <laughs> She's a Spanish Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Remember when they, this is so off topic. Remember when they came out with a spray and it was, I can't believe it's not butter. Spray. <laughs> it was like a Ew. dramatic Gross. pause. Oh man, I vividly remember those commercials. Anyway, <laughs> back on track. Uh, Mindy, will you please do our nerdiest vocabulary? I would love to. So I really just got the two main characters and thought I would do a little etymology and some urban dictionarying. So I will tell you right now, and I'm probably the only one, actually, I was pronouncing the main female character's name wrong. Oh, God, please don't tell me I have to change this. But I've also heard <laughs> Scarlett St. Clair pronounce it. So oh, good. So you see. can. Okay, so I when I was reading it, I was using the S sound. So Isolde which was what I was saying. Well, when I looked it up and I looked up several people, I looked up a video of people saying the word everything, um, people that were from all countries. And what I mostly came up with was in the accent or the accenting of the syllable was the big thing. It's Isolde. Isolde? Yeah. Isolde. I don't think that Scarlett St. Clair put that on the end, but I'm glad I was saying it with a Z. I've always yeah. Isolde. It's, yeah, it's me definitely too. a Z. Um, but yeah, it's and some of them were very pronounced like Isolde. <laughs> Isolde. I was like, yeah, you can tone that down I a little bit. That's how Adrian says it. Isolde. <laughs> it is a Welsh or German name. So I mean, I can now that I've like looked that up, I can totally see the Z sound. So yeah, I was I the word nerd was the one that was pronouncing it wrong. So It's okay, man. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm not perfect. Okay. <laughs> well, one of us has to. Be. <laughs> it's Whitney. <laughs> no. So, it is from Welsh or German and it means ice ruler, which really doesn't go with her, I didn't think. I mean, the ruler part does, but ice I thought was kind of weird, but but it also can mean iron ruler or fair lady or the beautiful one or also one who is gazed at, which I thought was kind of creepy. Hmm, but I will say, like, most of the men in the book are very attracted, attracted to, to her. her. Yeah. yeah. The one guy hits on her, like, immediately. Right. Yeah. So I thought those were pretty spot on. I mean, except for the ice part. I don't know where that is her. From. Isn't her kingdom cold? Is it? I don't know. I don't remember oh, that. We'll, have to look well I know that. it's winter in Rebecca. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so. Maybe that's where. The most interesting thing I found about Isolde was from the Urban Dictionary. Because <laughs> it's always fun. And mostly there there was a ton of entries. There's not usually very many, but there were a ton of entries on this. And most of them were pretty generic, like saying German princess or lovely girl or whatever, but there were a few choice entries. One was, she's good at hiding her feelings and also good at pretending she's okay and fine when, in fact, she is not. Hmm, that's that, pretty spot on. Exactly. Uh, the next one was a very non-nice person. And non was all, all caps. Oh, my. I thought, well, somebody doesn't. I'm sure there's somebody that doesn't like her. That's actually, ironically, a really nice way to say that. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're that is non-nice. Yeah. They're so non-nice. <laughs> This one uh, was interesting because clearly somebody knows somebody like this. Uh, a word for a lesbian who ironically has a stick up her ass. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> she is so Isolde. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the last one is kind of disgusting. Somebody just decided that this means to gracefully pee on someone. Oh, 
I can say I've never easolded anybody. I, I don't know about you two. I mean, I might have peed on somebody, but wasn't gracefully. Who have you two peed on non gracefully? Probably my mom when I was an infant. Yes. Mm, liars. <laughs> And oh, then man. Adrian, I looked up Adrian and the it's a Greek origin. It means of the Adriatic Sea, but it also means rich or dark one. Of course, that fits perfectly. Um, but I thought this was kind of cool. It comes from the Venetic and the Illyrian word, which I know is not this book, but I like I didn't realize that Illyrian was an actual thing. I didn't realize that was a real word. Yeah, either. I didn't either. The word is adder, which means not adder, like A-T-T-O-R. It's A-D-U-R, which means sea or water. Hmm. So I don't know. Interesting. Well, you know, Scarlett St. Clair has said that she does do a lot of research into Greek mythology. So there, those are things that we should keep in mind. Yeah, that's true. So the Urban Dictionary generally describes Adrian as sweet, like the word, the name Adrian is sweet, which I was hilarious because uh, I kept saying, no, 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 not that one. Not this Adrian. <laughs> and so then they, they got really weird. <laughs> one of them, literally the description was not salad. <laughs> not, salad. not salad. That feels, that feels like innuendo and oh, I don't know how. Exactly. Like a tossed one. <laughs> Maybe. Mm-mm, that uh, makes me feel I uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I don't like it. That doesn't make everyone uncomfortable. (laughs) So that was the weirdest one. The other two actually, I think, definitely fit his personality. The name of a god, hearing his name, Adrian, produces subconscious orgasms. That's why you like it. Oh, my. Yes, it does. Subconscious? (laughs) This is the best part. What about conscious ones? (laughs) (laughs) The best part of it was, It ends like this. Hear the musicality of Adrian. Repeat it. Feel it. Live it. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, I'm going to tell my husband later, hey, I just finished the book. I'm going to go live it with Adrian. (laughs) I'm going to go repeat it. Feel it. I'm going to feel it it for sure. (laughs) But the final one, it says the biggest asshole you'll ever meet speaks his mind and don't take shit from nobody looks mad all the damn time he's loyal <laughs> if you his friend and will fuck anyone up for you <laughs> all right i mean I think that's that pretty fits. spot on yeah, i yeah. feel like that person probably didn't read the book but maybe did yeah <laughs> like i will say he is very morally gray he is not a good person but honestly neither is she but yeah. he, but they both admit it right of course yeah, Which, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. he's always well he's kind of good to her they both mm-hmm. are not used to being in a relationship. And at the end of Queen and Myth and Monsters, there's definitely some, all right, y'all two need to maybe have some communication. Yeah. A little there's, bit. There's yeah. some tension. Yeah. Some conflict. A little bit. <laughs> so I thought it would be fun to compare this whole story with the Celtic legend of Tristan and Isolde, just because that was what I, that's where I'd heard that name. And it was something that I wasn't super familiar with, but I thought it might be interesting to see if anything kind of coincided. So I looked it up and there was, it's a ton of them. There's, they're all over the place and it's all like some parts are here and some parts are here. So I found a very, as concise as I could story of it, and I'm going to share it with you. And there are a few little connections. So it goes something like this. Actually, it's considered a classic love story, which I didn't realize that either. And the theme is that there is a love that cannot be denied, which Mm. I mean, obviously that's that works. Yeah, yeah, that works. But it goes something like this. Tristan is a knight and Isolde is a princess. 
Tristan is sent by his Uncle Mark, which I thought, <laughs> where did Mark come from? <laughs> hey, hey there, Bob. <laughs> it just is such a weird name to throw in there. But Uncle Mark wants to propose marriage to Isolde. They are sent back to the uncle in a carriage with a love potion. So she will fall in love with King Mark. But they somehow, and it's different in every story, but they both end up taking the love potion instead and they fall madly in love with each other. And the, the love is described as a burning, encompassing, will die for you love, Ooh. which is exactly the kind of love that mm-hmm. these two have. Yeah. So Isolde marries Mark, but they continue their affair, uh, Tristan and Isolde do, and then Mark catches them and sentences them to death. He sentences Isolde to be burned at the stake, Ooh. which goes with the whole witch Lots thing. Lots of that, yeah. And Tristan by hanging, which also is, there's a lot of that in this. Yeah. On the way to his execution, though, Tristan breaks free, saves Isolde, and they run away together to the forest. But... Uncle Mark finds them. <laughs> Uncle Mark. <laughs> and they end up calling a truce. So Isolde returns with, he, she returns as Mark's wife on the condition that Tristan will just leave and like stay out of their lives. So he does. And ironically marries another woman named Isolde. And she's mm. called Isolde of the White Hands, just that's, to distinguish. That's purposeful. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it comes into play. Mm. And this is almost done. Tristan's mortally wounded at one point, And as he's dying, he calls desperately for Isolde. And the wife comes. Supposedly, she's the only one who can heal him. He's shouting this out. The wife finds out that he's not actually calling for her, but the other one. And so they send for Uncle Marksy's old. And they watch. (laughs) Uncle Marksy's old. (laughs) They watch for a messenger ship. And if Isolde is aboard, she's supposed to fly a white sail. And if she's refused to come, the sail will be black. And it's the the other wife. This gets so confusing. Isolde of the White Hands, who spots the ship flying a white flag. So she's coming to save him, right? And then the jealous bitch um, <laughs> reports to Tristan that the sail is black and he turns his face away and dies because he's Aww. like of a broken heart, right? Aww. So then when the real Isolde shows up, she finds Tristan dead and the agony of it all kills her. She dies. It's very of, Romeo like, and Juliet. Yes. Yeah. So from, but this was the really, really cool part, I thought. And it kind of. Uh, brings in the reincarnation aspect of the book from where they died a thick bramble grows from tristan's grave and a rose tree grows from Isolde's, and they intertwine and no matter how much it's hacked away how much people try to break it down they always grow back together intertwined oh that's beautiful isn't that a lovely story i i really enjoyed looking that up and and while it's not really at all like this story i thought there's a lot of similarities there was a lot of similarities that i could see where perhaps scarlet saint killer kind of picked those out and and kind of Mm -hmm. wove them in there as sort of a tribute maybe while you were talking i remember that there was a tristan and his old movie i was in just 2006 and i'm sorry but the the guy that plays tristan is not someone i find attractive it's james franco no it's james franco Franco. who definitely looks like he Try to put it in your butt on accident. Like, I just... <laughs> on accident, really? Like, quotation marks on accident. Whoops, it slipped type of guy. And well, then he's like, well, now that I'm in there. He is problematic. Like, we do right. know that for yeah. a fact. And then the uh, ease old was Sophia Miles, who I recognized from the show Moonlight, which was on CW for two seasons, I think. You can watch it on their website. It was so 
good. I keep meaning to but watch that. But it was before Twilight and like vampires got really popular again. And so like it just wasn't. But it was really well done. There was tons of angst. Right. And it's a vampire right. show, too. Yeah. Um, but it was it was really, really cool. But yeah, I just I as much as I would love to watch this movie, I can't take James Franco seriously. No. Sorry, bro. I'd rather watch Fabio. <laughs> yeah. That's strong words. <laughs> That's saying something. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I was thinking, I'm pretty sure this was a movie. Like, I I thought I remembered that, but I definitely never watched it. Where so. do you, did you see where the Tristan E's old etymologies from is it greek is it from is it like just a it's story celtic. Or, oh, okay. well the legend is it's like celtic. a folklore yeah. kind of okay mm-hmm. adrian was greek though adrian was greek yeah okay all right all right so let's go through and just hit some highlights of this book not try to get to all of the details let's just talk about your favorite moment or favorite twist so who wants to go first Okay, so my favorite twist is there is a vassal that Adrian drinks from in the book, and it's his favorite vassal, right? And um, she's beautiful, and she kind of eggs Isolde on the whole time. And she's Isolde, a bitch. Yeah, she is. She's a bitch. But um, Isolde asks Adrian not to drink from her anymore because essentially this woman, like on their first meeting, is like, um, Adrian's mine. And like, you know, she's stupid. So there's a part in the book where. Adrian starts to get feelings, right? And tells Adrian not to come to her bed for a couple of days. And then, like, you know, she starts to get lonely and she goes to find him and she walks into his room and Safira is laying naked in his bed. And I lost my shit at that point because I'm like, (laughs) what the fuck? And she loses it and goes to his council room and is like, everybody get the fuck out and like totally sticks up for herself. And they go back and like Safira has told he's old that he slept with her the last three nights instead Mm -hmm. of he's old. And he's like, fuck you. That's (laughs) not true. You go into the dungeon, bitch. And that was my favorite part of the entire book because it just you're. You're so captivated by him at this point in the book, but you're like, oh my God, he's been cheating on her the whole time yeah. after they like decided not to. And then you're like, okay, I don't have to hate you because <laughs> I didn't want to hate you. And now I don't have to. So that was my favorite moment. Yeah. I like that a moment good one. a lot too. That's a really good one. What well, about you, Mindy? One was, I loved how Adrian always wipes off her weapon after she stabs someone. <laughs> Notice that. I didn't either. That's I just funny. think it was such a well, sweet... darling. You can't get more blood on your it gown. Was, it's like to me, like that's it's the equivalent of opening the car door. <laughs> exactly, chivalrous. Like, yeah, the, the vampire equivalent of of yeah. Opening I mean, if the car I door stab for, or, someone, or holding the door, if I stab someone, and my husband's like, here, let me clean your blade. I mean, my panties might fall. Off. <laughs> I think mine would too, for sure. I don't know. I just thought that was a sweet like moment i do love that um the other thing that stood out for me and i wrote these before i read the second book so you're gonna laugh at me but i loved soren i loved his banter and how sweet he is to his old fucking soren i loved him too i know i all did because he he was so witty he reminded me of lucian like the way I, he had that he reminded banter. me of Kieran from from Blood yes, Nash. that yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, just that like quirky, fun, like witty sidekick kind of person. And I just I, I always fall for those characters. And spoiler alert, he turns into an asshole. So I'm not going to like give everything away. But there's still opportunity for redemption. I think. <laughs> I, I think it's it's open to. That. I don't know. I don't. I don't. Adrian and he's old aren't really the forgiving type. <laughs> They're really no, not. But, but I am. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say in any book I've read by Scarlett St. Clair, I don't think she's the forgiving type either. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. 
Um, and then finally, the only other one that I just really loved was when uh, they're at that. I, guess, I can't. This is how bad my memory is. I can't remember what it was. It was a party of some sort. And there was a guy, the son of one of the noblesse was like accidentally touched Hitting her or, so he, or right. did. He well, like got she handsy. told him she told him not to touch her and, and he did, did anyway. Yes. Yeah. And so she goes, does she stab him first? I feel I like she does something. So she does retaliate. Maybe she turns around and like pushes. She or does something. something. She does yeah. something. And then, and then Adrian's like, no, that's not good enough. I'm going to fucking chop his head off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I just think like, the ultimate, you know, romantic gesture. I guess. Yes. <laughs> well, I would go ahead and say that all of us love the touch her and die trope. Yeah, oh, it's sure. one of our favorite tropes just mm-hmm. because like there is something really sexy about like she's only mine. And like yeah. you, and I posted this meme on our page the other day in the stories where it's like the men I read in books are like, you know, touch her and die. And then the men I'm in real life, I'm like, don't fucking tell me what to do. <laughs> but it is funny how we're so attracted to these people in books and none None of the three of us would ever be like in real life. Yeah. Yeah. No. I don't know. If Brian cut someone's head off for trying to sexually assault me, I probably would be okay with it. I'd be okay <laughs> with that for sure. Yeah. But like not for looking at pictures of Jensen Ackles. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise I would be dead. 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 Uh if if you <laughs> ever see us on like YouTube or anything, I'm sure we'll get there at some point. We have a stand up of Jensen Ackles in the studio, so mm-hmm. I would be dead every day. He watches over <laughs> us. He watches over us <laughs> to like protect the, us from like, definitely. The, the he jealousy. would he also has the touch her and die mentality. Yeah. Um, well, my favorite moment was almost the same as yours, Deb. I said when Isolde completely demolishes Safira, <laughs> which I was thinking of when they first met. Oh, um, yeah. She that, does. That like, just with words, she cuts her down. Yeah, because yeah. Isolde has walked past the tent where vampires are feeding from their vassals, and she sees Adrian feeding from who this woman who, at that time, she doesn't know who she is. And it's very intimate and it looks very like sensuous and sexual and she well, is, and it is. Jealous. he says that like yeah. you get extreme pleasure, pleasure. from them feeding yeah. from you yeah and he tells her later that he's never slept with safira um which i mean i guess we should believe that i guess I but know. i think but you know he I jacked know. off after he was there. <laughs> <laughs> right am i wrong uh, i mean i don't know <laughs> i've never fed from a vassal <laughs> Just from other humans, not a vassal. Just from other humans, right. And I wrote down some of the quotes that Isolde says to Safira in that conversation where she's like, well, I'm his favorite. And like, I'm basically like, well, I mean, we're going to share him because... I'm his favorite. You can't possibly satisfy him completely. I mean, you know, women tell her on several occasions in this book that she will not be enough for him. Yep. And that they, everybody slept with Adrian and everybody's going to keep sleeping with Adrian. Right. And so in this first conversation with Safira, Isolde says, I was bred to be a queen just as I was bred to dispose of things that bother me. Will you continue to bother me, Safira? (laughs) And I was like, Ooh, (laughs) that was harsh, but I loved it. Um, And she says, Isolde says to Safira, if I come, for you no one will protect you because Safira had been basically trying to say like Adrian is going to protect me from you she says something like if you touch me you'll you'll feel Adrian's wrath yes something like that she was like um I don't think I will no I don't think so and then um she thinks in her head his mouth 
his skin, his body, it was mine. I did not like that Safira felt she was somehow entitled to my husband because he fed from her. And so then she goes to Adrian and says, I want you to stop feeding from her. And he's like, well, yes, ma'am. <laughs> Well, she walks into the tent and goes, did you fuck her? Yeah. And like, he's like, no, never. because they have had a conversation earlier in the book where she's like, am I just, am I here as a title only? Will yeah. we have a relationship? Are you going to just continue to fuck whoever you want? And he asks her if she wants fidelity and she right. says yes. So this is her already like wondering, she doesn't know if she can trust this guy. He, right forced her into marriage he was going to conquer their kingdom and kill everybody right so why should she believe that he's not fucking everybody especially mm. because of the way that women treat her yes. in this court the way they're all trying to make her think right that this he is, is sleeping this with is everybody all the time toxic women behavior at yeah. its highest yeah i'm gonna cut in a little bit because i wanted to say a little word on the reviews i read because i sometimes i'll go back and re read like reviews on goodreads of what people say about things and the views on this book are pretty split as far as you either love it or you hate it. And a lot of the reviews would say that they hated it because it was how Isolde hated other women and was irritated when other women liked Adrian. And there was like this whole, she didn't, didn't, she didn't hate other women. She finds Anna fine. And she finds every other woman in the court fine, except for the ones that are telling her they exactly, fucked her husband. Exactly. Right, I right. wouldn't I like thought. those women either. Right. Like shame on you. They, I don't care if you were his partner. You don't do that to somebody. They right. were complaining that it was like toxic female relationships. And I was like, well, first of all, it's not Isolde that does it. Like, right. and, and, Guess what? That's the world we live in. Unfortunately, there are a lot of women that that Well, and believe me, I believe in women, you know, uniting together and we have to hold each other up. But if someone came up to me and told me they had fucked my husband before me and then they're like, "What do you think of that?" I would probably punch her in the face. I'm not kidding, you know, I wouldn't really, but I would be like, "Damn you." And then I would <laughs> I would think of some I would you guys know me. I would think of something really mean to say on the fly and then I would regret it later even though they did it to me, you know what no, I mean? No, I wouldn't. And but like I wouldn't it, regret it. I I don't I think the toxic behavior comes from the women that are trying to alienate her because right. they're jealous. Yes. She only retaliates whenever that happens. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why it really bothered me. That's why I, when I was reading this, I was like, why does that bother me so much? And I was like, because it doesn't bother me what they're For saying. For the record, she never tells Adrian he can't feed from anyone else. Right. He just can't feed from Safira because she came and laid a claim to right. him. Because and of, he is fucking yeah. married, yeah. dude. Yeah. He's married. Yeah. I don't care what you had before. Now well, they're married. And furthermore, we love the male characters that are like... Don't fucking touch my woman. Mm -hmm. Like, why can't mm -hmm. women? Be why like can't that? women be like that? Right. that? It really irritated me when I read that. And the other thing that I thought was just wrong. <laughs> I'm just gonna throw it out there. People were calling it porn without a plot, and this will feed into our next point. Um, but I'm like, did we read the same book? There was so much plot in this. Yes, so there are some much great happens. sex scenes, but it. I, I mean. There was so much plot going on that I was a little confused at times. I was like, had to go reread stuff. I was just thinking, there were, like, it was confusing. It was so you can't complex. have twists if you don't have a plot. I wonder, and there are some twists. I wonder if the people that wrote that don't read. I wonder if they were just expecting a, a vampire book and not a fantasy book. Yeah, because maybe. you get into a lot of fantasy elements yeah. within I mean, this. They book. were There's vehement. It was like. I hate this book, and those were the main two reasons. I'm like, <laughs> um, you suck, and you're wrong. <laughs> I'm not sad. There's a little bit of porn in it. Uh, and really here's the thing. If you've ever read anything by Scarlett St. Clair, she really – one thing I really love about her is she believes in women liking sex, yes. right? And that's just something 
the in the last couple years even has become yeah. more mainstream for women and especially around bookstagram right like we follow all these instagram people that are, like talk about sex and books and someone posted a reel that a guy had messaged her and he's like so you guys can just read all this and we get you know slapped down for reading porn and i wrote um, except for men have been allowed to do whatever they wanted since the beginning of time. Right. Yeah. And now that women are interested in sex, we're supposed to be dirty about it because we're supposed to be pristine and clean. And that's yeah. why I just, I did give a book a lower star. I, I originally rated it four stars last week. I took it down to three because there is zero reason in this book for a girl to be a virgin. Mm. and not very believable that she would be a virgin and i don't like all of a sudden when the virgins turn into porn stars yeah, yeah. you know like they just love sex all of a sudden and it only hurts for just a second and i'm like that is not how that mm. happens <laughs> that actually is it leads right into my quote favorite spicy scene because i didn't actually have one particular one what i loved is that in general, I like all her spicy scenes mm -hmm. because they're very, very well written and because Isolde is so confident and self-assured in her sexuality. Like, I love that we have a heroine that, first of all, is not a virgin, that's not shy about getting what she wants with who she wants it with, and then pair that with Adrian, who will basically give her whatever she wants. That's hot. And and I yeah, I agree. And I my favorite spicy scene was around that same theme of her being comfortable in her sexuality because you're right, there's not a scene in this book that I don't like. Me I mean, they're all really, really fantastic. And you like feel their connection. She's really good at, you know, beyond the sex of like the emotional part of this and even uh, the there's intimacy. A, right. Yes. There's a part in the book where it gets too emotional for he's old. Like he knows that she's the reincarnated Yesenia, so he feels differently towards her. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't Feel, well, she is feeling it and it freaks her out. Right. right? She doesn't understand so, what she's feeling. My favorite spicy scene, it's for two reasons. I told you, again, I like vindication. So I have a serious problem with Killian in this book. Mm -hmm. um, I was going chapter by chapter because I read this. Um, I did a reread of this about a month ago, and there were just some things I wanted to remember. And in the very first five chapters... Killian like grabs her and bruises her arm. He tells her she's not allowed to go anywhere without an escort. When Adrian says he wants a wife, he is a guard and like stands up in the middle of court and is like, "No!" I'm getting serious <laughs> Tamlin right. vibes. Right. Oh, he. Yeah, what was serious. he like? No. <laughs> Yeah, Killian gives me vibes of like, I'm going to do this and it's going to be awesome. And she's right. going to like realize that she's in love with me. And Isolde's like, oh my gosh, like, shut, shut up. up. But she talks about like in the first couple chapters how like, first of all, he was a bad lay. And then <laughs> second of all, she's like, I've seen men like him in marriage and he's already mm -hmm. fucking a bruiser, right? Yeah. And so yeah. there is at the very beginning of the book. So she meets she doesn't know it's Adrian in the woods. She's been hurt by a monster and he comes up and you find out later he tasted her blood because he's trying to find Yesenia. Mm -hmm. Right. And so he tastes her blood and essentially licks her wound and heals her. And she's so fucking turned on by it that she goes back and she's yeah. trying to masturbate. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and I, again, I love that the book started off with that because it shows you how confident she is in her yes. sexuality. Yeah. And like, she gets um, interrupted by her nursemaid <laughs> and then she's like, starts going at it again. And then Killian fucking walks in yep. and pretty much says, is that for me? And she's like, no, no. <laughs> 
It's sure not. She, I loved how she was like, I would rather masturbate than sleep with you again. Yeah. I mean, here's That's the thing. how bad it was. Right. She knows she's going to get what she needs in masturbation. She's not going to get what right. she needs from Killian. Yeah. And I love that a big problem for her is that they would have a passionless marriage. And like, yeah. yeah. I don't think there's enough emphasis put on that. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like there, there are times when marriage is really hard and passion is kind of what keeps you Kinda going keeps sometimes. It yeah, I, it's, true. it's true. And if you think I'm being an asshole, I have been married for almost 20 years. So fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> All three of us have had successful marriages and we can agree on that. Yes. There, mm-hmm. there are times that you are not completely in love with your spouse and that's okay. You know, as long as you continue to work on it. But sometimes, I mean, sex is what kind of keeps you there yeah. you know what i mean i yeah. it, it does that's so. true i was about to say sex, sex gets you over the hump and then i thought that sounds really <laughs> the hump gets you whitney what was your favorite spicy scene i <laughs> you guys i feel like are very mature <laughs> it's because you're like i really liked this because it showed her confidence and self-assuredness and when he's like, like mm-hmm. i like this because it turned me on <laughs> Basically, yes. Hey, okay, I'm going to go ahead and say out loud that we're talking about how we need to be comfortable in our sexuality. Well, that's true. So you tell us so, what what got you all horny. My favorite. Well, I didn't say that. You said that. <laughs> you giggled my, and turned red. Well, you that's confirmed. true. Uh, my favorite spicy scene was the wedding night scene. Because it is a good scene. It's a really good scene. But I really liked that just not because of any kind of confidence or anything like that, but just because I really enjoyed the instant connection and the the tension in Isolde's own mind of like I know I'm not supposed to be into him but oh my gosh I am into him and like the fact that she knew that the servants and people were like out there listening and she's like I am not going to be quiet and that is going to be okay well I know but like you have to consummate a marriage in relationships like that and in those times there has to be some sort of proof that you consummated well right? but in her mind it could have been a passionless like she thought it would be with killian right like a passionless a very quiet like i mean i guess that's the bed that moving that i hear but otherwise it's really quiet in there and right. maybe that's why we need more proof because we have no idea well she's finally getting anything what she happened. needs for goodness yeah. sake. Right. So i i really enjoyed that like the forbidden romance of it the forced proximity the like i am just really into him and i'm not supposed to but i'm just gonna go with it i wrote in my notes i wrote um the unexplainable attraction knowing people were listening but not being able to help it screaming crying throwing up (laughs) (laughs) but that was my favorite scene um before we move on from that i wanted to talk a little bit uh, because it has to do with sex i wanted to talk a little bit (laughs) about um a little bit about vassals and vampires and sexuality because I was the, the whole Safira stuff, I enjoyed a lot of Isolde like putting her in her place and all that. So I was trying to look up vassals and vampires. So first of all, when I googled vassals and vampires in multiple different like phrases, the only thing that was coming up for me was like whatever video game where I guess like there's a different characters vassal vampire or something and it was like a cheat code or, and i was like i'm sure this we is have not. a listener that can tell us what that is please I, write I, us and explain it yeah. yeah it was some kind of video game something and i was like i don't know what that is but so when you just look up vassal historically a vassal is a holder of land by a feudal tenure on conditions of homage and allegiance i thought she is a that. holder of land if you think about it right, right? well she, she's 
pulling Adrian's strings. It's back in medieval Europe in the feudal system, the feudal like social economic system. It's basically a person that has a mutual obligation to a lord or to a monarch. So it's like you're going to let me live on your land and you're going to basically like financially support me but in return i'm gonna fight for you work for you whatever which is what he does it is exactly what he's doing he does that with the noblesse actually that too yeah Yeah. but he talks about how the vassals he's like we get fed and they get rich that's true that is true they do get payment it's a mutual obligation and it sounds like they get orgasms too the vassals at least at least some of them do um and then i did wrote down stuff in video games (laughs) um ghoul vassals Whatever this, this was from White Wolf Wiki. And I guess White Wolf is the video game. I don't know. Never heard but of it. ghoul vassals are stereotypical blood addicted servants of a vampire. In Interesting. That yeah. So, so I thought yeah. it's kind of like what's going on in this book, but the vassals in this are actually addicted to blood themselves. It's not just like, yeah. like they're feeding the vampires. They're kind of vampires, but, but not. We yeah. see this a lot in literature, though. Um, neither of you have read the Plated Prisoner series by Ravid Kennedy yet. In the the Plated Prisoner series, she, Aaron, is the, like, prized harem person, right? Like, she's his favorite. And there is a lot of power in that. And there is an addiction mm-hmm. in that, right? And she gets more things than the rest of the harem does. Mm-hmm. And, like, she feels like this very special person wherever, really, in both instances, even in Adrian's instance, like, they're just being used. Right. There's nothing beyond that. Right. Right. Which read that book, please. The both of you for the love of God, I want to talk to you about it. It's in my Kindle. It's it's on my Kindle. (laughs) That doesn't help me. So then I started looking up Safira because she is important in this first book and then is also still important in book two. Right. Um, So the name Safira is Hebrew, meaning Sapphire which is a precious gem. It means precious gem. Um, According to this, whatever website I found this on, I don't think I wrote that one down, but Sephiras tend to be analytical and intellectual, deep thinkers who dream of a better world. I'm not real sure. It that's doesn't say Sephira. bitch. Yeah, yeah, no, it doesn't no, say, no, like it I Auntie did on Wikipedia, <laughs> a bitch. A bitch. On gemsociety.org. They talked about sapphires as the actual gems and sapphires reputedly attract wealth and purportedly protect the wearer from envy and infidelity. Interesting. Which mm-hmm. this sapphire in this book, Sapphira, is threatening infidelity. <laughs> <laughs> and very, in, like, the problem is, is that she feels threatened by Isolde. She is very and, envious. And here's yes. the thing. If she had went to Isolde and said, you know what? He drinks for me. I'm so glad he has a queen. I promise to sustain him. And like, let's be buds. Yeah. It could have been a lot different. Mm-hmm. If right? she had had a... And little tiny bit of humility that would have been great. right, yeah. Traditionally, people attributed sapphires with the power to bring harmony between lovers as well as peace between adversaries. Which again, yeah, Safira's whole purpose seems to be to drive them apart. Yeah. So there's that. And then I tried to look some stuff up specifically about vampires and sexuality because vampires in literature are very commonly used to especially talk about female sexuality and it was like a weird backdoor way of talking about female sexuality. We already without... talked about the backdoor. I, I know. Talked about <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't think of another way to say that without just saying it. So I just went with it. But 
you know, it wasn't, especially when books like Dracula were being written, you did not write sex scenes and you didn't write sex scenes for women the way that this book would, right? So, so it was all vampirism. I, I will say I being the nerd that I am, this is called our nerdiest thing, have done a lot of research into vampirism because I really, and I talk about this later in my notes about how much I love Anne Rice, right? And she was an author in the 70s that had gay characters in her books and like she was shunned and and all of that. But my husband has asked several times why there's so much sexuality in vampire books. And there is a whole thing about women being able to take a part of the man into her mm-hmm. instead of vice versa. And that's very sexual and empowering, right? So if there's a female vampire, it's it's the penetration of her, right? right? And so I find that super duper interesting because I think it elicits a subconscious idea of power mm-hmm. if, when there's a woman vampire. And, yeah. you know, Isolde is very powerful in this book without being a vampire. Yeah. And it is because she really, for lack of a better word, does penetrate her life into all these people. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, though, she is not... So much penetration. So much penetration. (laughs) But, um, quote of the week, so much penetration. But she, she really does go in as a thruster. That's the only way to put it. I'm loving your analogies tonight. (laughs) She goes in as a thruster. One thing I did write down was from... An essay called American Vampires by Jeffrey Andrew Weinstock. And he said, Vampires have represented sexuality, the dangerous desire for otherness in literature and art for centuries. Dracula has really strong themes of women stepping outside of their prescribed roles and brave men having to save them from the consequences. Oh, dear God. Yeah. Women relying on men. Um, he talked about in this essay, I Am Legend, which later became, it was a book that later became the Will Smith movie. Which, for the record, as always, the book was better. I would highly well, recommend that book. Yeah. The I Am Legend book turned the monster genre on its head a bit by having the undead vampires grow to fear the human, the monster who comes for them while they sleep. Which I saw some parallels there, um, the I Am Legend, because the women vampires, the women humans too, that are in Adrian's sphere and kingdom, they are very threatened by Isolde, who should be powerless compared to them, right? Because she does not have the power powers of a vampire. Um, but... I, I thought Scarlet St. Clair is doing a similar flip with vampirism and sexuality because Isolde is not stepping outside her prescribed her prescribed role, but she's stepping very much into it as a queen. But her desire for Adrian is very much taboo, the othered desire for the other, which is shameful to her people and supposed to be shameful to her. So in that desiring Adrian, she is stepping outside of her prescribed role and the brave men who wish to save her are villainized eventually her father and Killian. Right. So can I say something to this? Because I know this is part of your nerdiest thing later. And it's about when we met Scarlett Mm -hmm. in Lexington, Kentucky One thing she said in her interview that has really stuck with me the whole time is she really hates it in books whenever you have strong females that kind of stand up against their male counterparts, but then they essentially become like the docile queen and Mm -hmm, let the man take mm -hmm. care of shit. She has said that she has no intention of having his old step down, which I love because um, the second book in the series is even better than the first. The third one, I think she said will probably come out in 2024 and I cannot fucking wait. I love it. I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, 
Scarlett's overall theme is about the power of women, which is something she talked about at that event also, not relying on men at all for anything ever and coming a women coming into their own strength and saving themselves. There was a good parallel. I thought between this essay that I can't, I didn't write down what year it was from, but it was not super recent talking about women stepping outside of their roles and the men having to come save them. And Scarlett St. Clair is very obviously doing the opposite here, right? Like that was just really cool to think about. Killian is wanting to save her. Her father is wanting to save her. And they are not the heroes at all. Like, you never want to root for them. All they're doing is damaging her, Mm -hmm. ultimately. Yeah. Right? Like, they are... She... And she's really great about saying, no, I'm not doing that. And they... But they're the men. Mm -hmm. And they know best. Right. What does she know? They both have real Tamlin vibes of, I know what is best and I'm going to do it. Well, she has even said in in the book, Isolde does, and she even asks Adrian, am I a queen to lead or am I a queen to watch? Right. Right? Am I supposed to sit beside you quietly? Right. Because she doesn't want to sit quietly. She says several times in the book, she wanted to be queen of her kingdom, her father's kingdom by herself. Right. Right. Because she didn't want a man overtaking. And so she does tell adrian several times like i don't plan on just like sitting to the side and he's pretty much like well thank god yeah i wouldn't i didn't want you to yeah what i love about that too though and you find this more out more about this in the uh, second book but that she doesn't want to like she wants to be powerful and she wants to be queen and she wants to be over that over her lands but she doesn't want to do it by like force she wants to do it because she's worthy of it and i just love that like where she's just this badass bitch but she's not gonna go in there and be like but such an opposite parallel to adrian exactly right so you know i always say a good spouse will even you out right Mm -hmm. so maybe he'll help her understand like first of all not everyone's gonna love you especially in a power position And she needs to help him realize maybe you don't have to just fucking kill everybody. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to beheading does not have to be the first option. Right. Or the first instinct. Well, I mean, in his defense, it has worked. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's true. Right. They were so scared of him that she automatically agreed to marry him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So next up, let's talk about our least favorite moment or least favorite twist. I have three. Uh, Well, (laughs) go ahead, Deb. Okay. So number one um, is... You are really led as the reader to believe that Adrian may only be in love with these old because he knows that she's the reincarnated Yesenia. Mm-hmm. And the author does a really good job of making you feel the turmoil within he's old of like, oh my gosh, I'm totally falling for this person. And he only loves me because I'm this other person. Like her heartbreak mm-hmm. in that, man, that was Awful, awful. And so, like, it's the least favorite moment, but it also was really good writing, I will say. Yeah. Um, my my second one, is, and I've already mentioned this, is just Killian's alpha hole behavior <laughs> at the beginning of the book. And that's a, that is a um, quote that comes from the Crescent City series by Sarah J. Mass. I can't even take credit for that. But he does. He treats her like she's mm-hmm. property, right? And then number three, gosh, when Isolde's father betrays her. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, and he tells her that he's going to kill her for the greater good. And she'll be like this martyr that people can stand behind. But the best part of this is he goes to stab her in the chest and she fucking catches her sword in between her hands. Buffy the vampire style. And it is so fucking cool 
that the author put that in there because again, she's not a damsel in distress. Right. But then she has to stab her father. Yeah, it's that was awful. Rough. That was awful rough. because she even gives him a chance to like get up and leave mm-hmm. because the mist is coming. It's going to devour them both. And she's like, get up, get away. And he tries to fucking stab her again. Yeah. Like what kind of parent can do that? Yeah. Um, and so it's been brainwashed. Well, and, yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it is this religious fervor yeah. behind like this one thing is going to save our entire yeah, kingdom. This is the only way. And yeah. I'm like, killing your daughter is never the way to save yeah. something. I'm sorry. Mm. It's just not. That was really rough. Yeah. Mandy, what about you? That, that's a really good point. I hated that part too. But I think part of, for me, the fact that I kind of saw the whole reincarnation twist coming from essentially the beginning, which I think was sort of intentional. Yeah, but and it, I, I do remember thinking like, it's a little, I, I get where this is going, Yeah, but... It was disappointing. It did, I would I didn't have been disappointed it. in that, but I felt like enough other things happened that it kind of made up for it. Yeah, totally. But I think as far as like it being a quote unquote twist for me, it was a little disappointing. But other, I mean, the whole idea of it and the whole way she brought it about and the way it was revealed and that whole moment in that was amazing. So I think really it was just that feeling of that. I kind of already knew what was coming, but she did surprise me a little bit when it, when it came about. So Whitney, before you go, can we talk a little bit about reincarnation? Sure. I took some notes around this. So um, Mindy and I read a really cool book for our, book club a couple of years ago called the forgetting time it's by um sharon guskin and it's about a it's fiction but it is about a child that has been reincarnated and has memories from their previous life and like based on true stories it was so yeah so um this in this story the child realizes that they're supposed to be someone else and convinces their mother to go take them to this family Mm -hmm. um and what was so interesting about the book is yes it was based off real things but then also in the back of the book there were a bunch of case studies about several kids that have gone through this so I did a little bit of research into reincarnation and memory retrieval in children because in this book as soon as she gets to the Red Palace Anna puts lavender in her bath water to try to like stir up memories like they know she's Yesenia but she doesn't and she starts having flashbacks right to this younger Adrian to them being in the pond pool lake I don't know what it is together of her being in prison with him and eventually to her being burned at the stake Mm -hmm. and we know that she is terrified of fire she doesn't know why Adrian even asks her really early in the book like why are you scared of the fire because he knows right? right and she won't even let them light a fire in her bedroom at night like that's how scared she is of it and it was because she was fucking burned at the stake right right? so there are a bunch of modern cases of memory retrieval that have been documented in young children so typically these are only documented in kids between the ages of two and five and a lot of like parapsychologists think it's because like your mind essentially closes to these types of ideas right or the kids get bored with this other idea and they kind of like move on so Most reincarnation memories in these studies stem from some sort of violent death or deaths around like intense emotions, Hmm. which I think is really kind of cool. So many instances, the child, because again, I want to remind you, this is cases of kids between two and five. So in many instances, the child can remember specific details about the previous person that they were, which are 
typically corroborated by that person's family. They also bear scars or birthmarks in places where the mortal wound or the fatal wound was given when that previous person died. So most of the previous lives that these kids are talking about are people that lived within a 300 mile radius and had died within the last two years. Now the first case I'm going to talk about is none of that. (laughs) Um, But so, but many, one thing I really loved in correlation to this book is that many children suffer from the phobias related to the way that they died in their previous life. Like Yesenia does. I've got three cases I wanted to talk about. And again, like there's tons of research on these kids. Like these are three pretty, prevalent ones and um, get on the internet and you will just go down a wormhole about reincarnated kids. So case number one is a boy that was born in um, Lebanon who started to have memories of his previous life. So in his previous life, he knew what kind of weapons he carried. He knew that he had a wife and two children. He knew he had a two story house, a friend that was mute and how he died, which was that he was shot by a group of men. So the child knew how to get to his house, who his family members were. He was able to correctly tell the widow, his ex-wife, who built the gate at his house, where he hid his weapons, an illness that that his daughter had while he was alive, and his brother's name. Wow. All without prompting. Oh, wow. Right. And this child, I, I believe at the time, was four oh, when wow. he did this. So these kids have so have so many memories that a lot of times the families finally will go and try to find these other families they're talking about if they're still yeah. alive. Can you imagine, though? Because in the book that Mindy and I read, the kid is saying, like, you're not my mom. Yeah. I'm not mm-hmm. supposed to be here. Like, I can't imagine the emotional turmoil that goes mm-hmm. into something like this. Right. Um, even knowing that your kid is remembering scary memories yeah. that weren't, that aren't I mean, theirs. I think in that book, when he, didn't he drown and he wouldn't take a bath? Right. Like yeah. it was, and so the mom's just trying to give her kid a bath and, he right. won't, and he's like screaming. Right. So in case number two, this is one of the most famous ones in the U S. So a young boy started to have vivid memories of a plane crash at like barely the age of two. So something that's really interesting about these cases is that a lot of these kids are early talkers. Mm. So this kid was able barely at the age of two to easily articulate that he was on an airplane that flew off a boat that was shot down by the Japanese at Iwo Jima. Oh my gosh. So the child could name the boat he flew from and the name of one of his friends that was a pilot. So his parents were able to find enough evidence to corroborate his story. Because a lot of people are like, well, like you talked about it in front of right. him. And you, like, the parents are the like, idea. well, he's like 24 months old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And so... The, the, like, you know, he didn't go do research right. on it. The problem right. with parapsychology is there's so much subconscious that can go into it, right? Yeah. So it's really hard to prove that any of this is real, but I find it very fascinating. So the last case I want to talk about is a four-year-old began to explain her previous life with her sister's husband and her mother. She explained that she was not living in her real home and that her parents were not her real parents. So she would literally look at her mom and go, you're not my real mom, right? Which again, so heartbreaking. Mm. So this child refused to eat, started to refuse to eat meat because her previous religion saw it as a serious crime. (laughs) So Mm. luckily her parents, you know, let her be a vegetarian and kind of, you know, let her ride through this, right? And so she also explained what her husband's favorite dishes were and that only she could make them, not the servants. Oh, right. (laughs) 
this child is also talking about this at school. So <laughs> her teachers notice, and the child is able to give them the address of her previous home. Oh, wow. So the teachers send a letter to the husband, like this widow, this widower husband. He does respond, and they have him come to town and don't tell him who he is. He is like a visitor in their home. And she walks in and immediately recognizes him as her ex-husband. Oh, wow. So when she enters the room... In her previous life, she was Hindu, and there are very specific Hindu customs that show how a wife behaves in the presence of their husband, and a lot of it is keeping your head bowed, going and standing on a certain side of him, and she knew all of these customs. <laughs> I'm assuming that they're not like they're not Hindu, Hindu at all. Right. Yeah. And so she also, her son, who at this time is now technically older than her she's like four and he's 10 and she immediately recognizes him as her son which again is a 10 year old boy that would fuck yeah yeah that's creepy she also looks at her husband and asks why he remarried when he promised he wouldn't oh can you imagine a four-year-old look at you and being like motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) i told you you i would haunt you (laughs) you said we were not going to remarry the husband asks to talk to her privately and when they come out of the room he says she just told me things that no one would have known except for me and her they start investigating this right with this girl and they take her to the village she was able to number one lead them to her house she talked extensively about a well in the courtyard where she used to bathe and they get there and there is no well and she tells them to lift a rock and the well has been covered (sighs) over they find the well Hmm. and then as she's going through town they're riding along the road and she says let me out and she runs and she says that's my mother's house she goes to her mom's house and does the same thing she did with her husband and tells her mom things only she and the mother had discussed before and so this is a case that's been extensively investigated mm-hmm. um if anyone's interested message us and i'll find like the name in the city that she lived in but i just i think it is so cool to read these instances and again a lot of anti-parapsychologists will say like it's all subconscious and it's things that like you know maybe they heard of in their environment but i don't know that case number three is pretty I specific was say, yeah and when you read that book that i mentioned earlier that mindy and i read that was one of the best book club discussions i've it ever was. had because oh, yeah. these people you're you're taught in a lot of american religions not to believe in reincarnation right, right? Mm-hmm. and so to have some more conservative people say like, oh my gosh, I never thought about things this way was really kind of cool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I, I really loved researching this and I loved what Scarlett St. Clair took into reincarnation and like memories behind reincarnation because he's yeah. old kind of hit hits all the bills, right? Like a tragic death, mm-hmm. right? Being able to find her husband, having phobias from a previous life. And it just, it really, really stuck with me. I love this book. I don't know if you guys can tell her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I read it and sent you both a text that said, holy fuck, read this book. <laughs> yeah, that's probably, probably true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's probably accurate. So, sorry, I know that we were talking about biggest revelations, but that was that was kind of mine with all the reading. Actually, I think no. we were talking oh, about I'm sorry. least favorite moments. Least favorite moment yeah that's totally fine because mine is like way different than (laughs) any of the things you guys just talked about so it was good to do that before i share mine because mine is just silly (laughs) here's the thing i would say you're the smartest person in the room always so you're not gonna you're not gonna think that after i share your biggest revelation that you also find vampire dick no so my least favorite (laughs) my least favorite (laughs) 
<laughs> I cannot wait now. My least favorite twist is finding out that Adrian is a blonde. <laughs> <laughs> She's blonde? Adrian. Oh, Adrian. Yeah, I was going to say we literally had this I, discussion about Fabio. I'm going to be really honest with you guys. <laughs> so, I did not know that Adrian was a blonde. Until I said something until we got book two in the mail with the like special art cover thing that had a special edition and i was like oh (laughs) 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 because i had been picturing him not as fabio but i do want to point out when and and we're gonna post um the interview like q a from this but one thing that she said um is that people were coming to her and they're like so he's old is black (laughs) <laughs> and and she pretty much said, "Who the fuck cares?" Yeah, right. like yeah. she is. Yes, yeah. yes. But who, why? Why is that the why question? What difference does it yeah. make? Right. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I do love in the book how like she has this beautiful dark milk chocolate skin, and mm-hmm. he is like paler than the. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I I think that's really kind of beautiful. Yeah. Better. Well, it's. It was just funny to me because I totally picked up all the descriptions of her and what she physically looks like and just completely glossed over the fact that he is like very, very blind. That bothered me from the get go because I was texting you all from like the first few chapters. I was like, I cannot get behind this guy. Like all I'm picturing is somebody ugly. (laughs) So I know that you do based off that conversation. I have to be able to picture someone in my mind. Me too. So much so that when I read A Court of Thorns and Roses the very first time and I think I've talked about this before it was right when it came out and there was no fan art right. and yeah. i could not picture what asriel and cassian looked like with their siphons yeah and i found like one thing on deviant art and it was like a pencil sketch and i was like all right that'll <laughs> okay. do it and i couldn't picture amarin either because she's got like those silver eyes every and- time i pictured amarin i pictured the chick from the incredibles oh my god <laughs> with the short black hair beautiful yeah yeah yeah. and so whitney do you have to be able to picture someone in your mind no i i do sometimes but i tend i don't know if it's because i read fast or if i just my brain just doesn't need it but i will find myself all of a sudden having to stop and think like okay wait what's going on and then when i have to think deeper about it then my brain puts a picture together and maybe that's the difference in the way that you read compared to the way that me and mindy read because you you obtain the knowledge of the book a lot better than we do and maybe it's because we're going what the fuck does he look like (laughs) (laughs) and i'm just like a faceless (laughs) faceless ghost this is gonna probably be an unpopular opinion i'm sure i'm gonna get a bunch of flack from it but i'll be honest like sometimes when there's a description of a character, I literally just disregard it because if it's a sexy <laughs> book, I want to picture somebody sexy. And so I think a lot of people probably do you that. Know, and I don't, I'm not, which is no, why I you needed a non Fabio. Exactly. Yeah, like right. I no I disrespect, no disrespect to the author and, and there's vision, but I'm not out there making art about it either. So in my Wasn't head, like I picture a sexy person that I would find sexy, whether or not this- they're, Sorry, wasn't this the text thread where I was like, I picture Pedro Pascal? <laughs> and it's like, so, 
not even close. We no. found out that Whitney has a Pedro Pascal kink. Yeah, she does. I wouldn't call it a kink. She calls I him just, Zaddy. That's kind of a kink. I did not call him Zaddy. Uh, that, she was sending that was us a TikTok video that you liked. Well, that I was like, look, here he is. <laughs> you were like, oh, don't look, you get it now? My panties fell off, and no, I don't get it. I don't get it either. I don't. So oh, you know what's worse though, because I, like I do I like visual- his voice. Yeah, I do visualize my characters. It's even worse when a book is made into a screen adaptation and the guy or the girl doesn't meet your your expectations. So number one would have been Twilight. Um, Rob Pattinson has no swagger, right? Bless and, his heart. Right. I mean, he is a, a, a good actor. Sometimes. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Um, right. He was really good as Batman because you couldn't see his face. Um, that's what I always said. <laughs> but I will tell you a big problem I had with a book to screen adaptation was the Shadowhunter series by Cassandra Clare. And it's when they put, um, who's the guy that plays Jace? What is his um, name? He's also in Twilight. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, he's got three names. He has the blonde hair. He's super cute. Oh, it's the guy cute. that's in um, Stranger Things. Yeah. Yeah, he is the he's the villain in Stranger and Things, although you can't see his either. hair. So in Jamie the shadow... Jamie something, maybe? Jamie... Jamie Campbell Bower. Jamie yeah. Campbell Bower. Thank you. So... In the Shadowhunter series, he has this beautiful tousled blonde hair, right? Like, it reminds me a lot of, like, Jared Padalecki's hair. It's just gorgeous hair. (laughs) And in the Shadowhunters, they spray that shit with hairspray so much that when he's in battle scenes, it does not (laughs) move. And I lost my erection. Because if it doesn't move during battle, I can't run my hands through it. Yeah. And that is not sexy. If you need more hair product than I do, <laughs> and I have a curly, wiry hair, that's not sexy, bro. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I need to be able to envision. But, like, now I can never envision Jamie Campbell Bauer as someone sexy because now I just see his helmet hair. Right? <laughs> what did you guys well, do to that poor boy? Just picture him as Vecna instead. <laughs> I think we just found your kink again. Yes. Pedro Pascal Pedro and Vecna. Vecna. <laughs> oh, man. So let's go on to the biggest revelation. What you thought was the biggest revelation in the book. Mindy, you want to go? I really loved kind of finding out that Adrian was, you know, he's so violent and domineering. But um, you find out it's not necessarily just because he's power hungry or wanted everyone to fear him even though that's definitely a bonus, but like you realize he's purely driven out of revenge for losing Yesenia. Yeah. Can I ask you a question that I wrote down when I read this book and I wrote it down hoping it would come up tonight and it did. (laughs) Do you feel like his conquering of the lands was him trying to find her? I mean, I definitely think that's part of it. I think he's, his main motivation is finding her and, avenging her right so like because he kind of calms the fuck down when he finds her a little bit like he's not like okay this is the next place we're going so i was wondering like did he go to all of the courts looking for her and then like he smelled her blood and then what are you laughing at mindy or whitney i just (laughs) (laughs) that never even occurred to me (laughs) until literally just now you said it so he ha- he is conquering all of these kingdoms, yes, out of revenge based off what was done to him and his kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. Which you learn about more in the book. But 
it's really weird that he tasted her blood as soon as he saw it. So it makes me wonder if his conquering was mostly so he could find her. I mean, I think that's definitely a major motivation for him was finding her. Spoiler. <laughs> I, didn't, I literally <laughs> did not even like put that together. <laughs> Until just well, now. you blow my mind all the time. I know. So I was going to say. It's about time I uh, reciprocated. I haven't gotten to reread this one yet. So <laughs> I will say doing the, the research for this episode, I'm going to have to stop what I'm reading and read these two books again. Hmm. Cause I've read this one twice, but I've only read queen of myth, the monsters once. once and yeah. Oh my God, so much happens. Oh, so sorry. Back to your biggest revelation. That was it. Yeah, just that he that his main motivation was not it was deeper. Being, yeah, it was a much deeper than it's just not being just power about hungry. conquering. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. So did I just is now? Do you have a biggest revelation? Did <laughs> yeah, I just give it to my you? Biggest <laughs> I feel really stupid right now, but that's okay. Okay, so can I not. say at the end of season one of the podcast, you've blown everyone's mind with the that Tamlin is Gaston and Reese. Um, from again a court of thorns and roses oh, is yeah. the beast because yeah. we've had people even on instagram be like whoa 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 what and my husband came to me and he's like did you realize that <laughs> I, was like, I was like i didn't and i remember at the time you being like so this isn't dumb right <laughs> that does make me feel a little better yeah. about it because i was like i'm gonna just say it you've been but vindicated. i feel like everyone's gonna be like yeah duh no <laughs> like, kind of like just now <laughs> in this book <laughs> Well, maybe I blew everyone's mind, but but Mindy's. Know. <laughs> you know, but, yeah. you guys are just smarter than everybody else no. in the room. What was your, what was your revelation? <laughs> My biggest revelation was. <laughs> like is this stupid too <laughs> you're like i like sex guys <laughs> <laughs> let's go back to the spicy scenes no i wrote down just finding out the whole thing about yesenia first finding out that there that yesenia existed and was adrian's like lover partner whatever that he was doing everything for her and then that's funny you guys earlier were like well i totally saw the reincarnation coming and i was like what <laughs> I did so not I, see that I at all. I knew she was reincarnated, but I didn't realize, uh, in your defense, that like she was burned at the stake. That took me a long time yeah. to get there, and like the tragedy behind her death. Yeah, the uh, yeah. everything that had to do with Yesenia, especially the reincarnation part. I was I was very surprised by that, and I wrote down I was also very confused by that, <laughs> which I think we all know that at this point in the podcast. <laughs> so, so that was my biggest revelation, and then you know what you just taught me about. <laughs> Adrian, I, I literally don't think that I was even putting together that he was actively looking for her. Yeah. I yeah. mean, because they he begged for her to be reincarnated. Yeah, I knew so, that part. But, I, but I mean, can you imagine living in a world with no telephones or way to communicate? The only yeah. way you're going to find this person is if you ha happen upon him. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. What I guess or if I, you're actively looking for Which them. is probably why they agreed to that. Because they're like, how the fuck are you going to find this that's person? What I, I guess I was thinking he knew that at some point she would be reincarnated and was just kind of like waiting around. I did but not But it's been 150 together. years and he hadn't found her yet. I, I yeah, mean, he I didn't did not know put that together at if all. she was going to be reincarnated the next day or if she was right. going to be reincarnated in 500 years. So the right. only, I think the only way he knew how to control the narrative was by conquering everything. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so smart right now. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, Whitney always sees things I don't see. And now I'm like, hey, guess what? 
I will say my biggest revelation for all of this is just the overall theme. And I've touched on this a little bit already is the overall theme of religious fervor and the great sacrifice driving people essentially to do horrible things for the greater good. And this is not something we see just in the fantasy world. This happens in real life all the time. Right. And it's in all religions, not just American religions or, you know, any kind of other world religions, but all these people are doing things in the name of religion that are really, really horrible. And they say it's for the greater good, but then all the villains in history, in real life history have also said the same thing, right? It's for the greater good. I'm doing something to change the world. So that was my biggest revelation when her dad comes and says like, I'm going to kill you. Right. And Killian has pretty much told her like, you should have killed yourself to, you know, be this person to stand for our country. Instead of rather be a martyr, right? Wouldn't you rather be a martyr than a queen? Like, so they just think that she should, right. They think she should sacrifice herself in the name of this kingdom. But, I mean, quite frankly, what is that going to accomplish? It's not. Nothing. It's not going to stop their kingdom from getting overtaken off. Right. (laughs) Right. And I mean, she, in her defense, she does try to kill him on the wedding night. Right. And he pretty much laughs at her. He's like, that's "That's cute. Yeah. Um, For effort. (laughs) Right. And I mean, like, here's the thing. He, he gets why she's doing it. Right. And I mean, on their wedding night, or on the day of, everyone's like, you're going to kill him, right? You're going to kill him, yeah. right? And even courtiers, as soon as they announce the wedding, walk up to her and are like, so you're going to kill him, right? right. Yeah. And they just see him as a villain. And I mean, quite frankly, he is. He is a villain. Yeah. He is a villain. He has conquered all these territories in bloodshed, right? He also has not done this the right way. Right. <laughs> but along the way, she she kind of learns why. And then um, there's something we haven't brought up, which carries into book two is like essentially this curse or virus or something that's happening to these other villages that are like taking whole villages out, which has not really been, it's uh, not been said exactly what it is. So it's something that's kind of carrying over. So in book two, we see a lot of people get villainized in his inner circle and Adrian and Isolde's inner circle. So I'll be interested to see like what's causing that. I'm really interested in that too, because the whole religious fervor thing carries over into the second book too, because of the whole goddess. Um, there's some goddesses that Asha they, yeah. And yeah. In the and, book of Dis, Yes. Mm-hmm. So there's this whole like, uh, struggle against other like ancient gods and goddesses or mostly goddesses, I guess. Which also, I just now realized that's kind of interesting. It's really they only talk about goddesses. There's not gods necessarily. That's right. Oh, yes. I didn't even notice that. I didn't either. <laughs> I just literally just realized that. But um, so there's definitely some more of this religious fervor coming up, I think. And in the second book, you see a little bit more about it. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a wild ride that third book. I can't wait for the third <laughs> yeah. book. So let's talk about our overall grade for the book. Who wants to go first? Well, mine changed. So initially I gave this book three stars, which would have kind of been like in the B minus range for me. It's like I liked it, but I didn't love it. But after Queen of Myth and Monsters and then going back to prepare for this podcast and like realizing all the really cool things that are in this I kind of bumped it up to a four star. I actually w- went to Goodreads and physically bumped it up to a four star. And I would say it's kind of an A minus now. I really, really like the second book better. I feel like I say that a lot. I feel like the first book, you think about it, if you're going to have a series, you've got to have some kind of setup. And so the first book right. is definitely a lot of setup. It's, it's the same thing with Harry Potter. I mean, I don't know about you all, but like the first half of Harry Potter is 
fucking boring. Well, yeah. think about our first season of this podcast. I gave Akatar the very first book, like two and a half stars yeah. the first time I read it yeah. because they don't really get under the mountain fast yeah. enough for me. And it was so much set up. And it's interesting that you say that because when I go to look at a series, I generally don't take the reviews of the first book into context. Yeah, me either. I look at book two and three because the first book, you have to design the world at right. some yeah. point. Yeah. And that's not always the most invigorating read yeah which is which brings to point reviews in general like i don't necessarily trust reviews on goodreads i like to read them just to kind of get a feel of like what's going on and what to look out for sometimes and a lot of times i'll just read them after i read the book and see what other people think velosa butt raptor whatever has Three and a half stars, if that tells you anything. (laughs) Yeah, it's so arbitrary. And, you know, again, like like I said earlier, there's there's some very polarizing reviews on this book. So to me, it's like, read what you like and fuck everybody else. Or if it looks interesting to you, try it. And if it's horrible, you don't have to finish. But, (laughs) you know, we do think you would like this book. Yes. Yes. I mean, if you are listening to this episode and you've not read the book yet, I think this will open your eyes to a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Or if you've maybe read it once, you should read it again and and notice these idiosyncrasies behind like the lore that the author is doing, because I think that's what makes it so good. I agree with you, Mindy. So I gave this book after the first read five stars. I love vampire fiction. Um, I always have, I attribute Anne Rice to, so I was a big reader, like in elementary and middle school kind of took a break. And I remember when I was 16, someone giving me the first book in the vampire chronicle series by Anne Rice, which is interview with the vampire. Right. And it reignited my love for reading. And then um, The Witching Hour, which is a trilogy by Anne Rice. The Witching Hour is one of my favorite books of all time. It'll probably never go out of my number one spot. And there's so much world building in it. Um, But, you know, like this book really resonated with me because I like that type of fiction. But then as I, I... I reread it in December, um, even before we decided to do this episode, and then obviously did tons of research this week. And all I've done is loved it more and more and more. And now I just need to go read the second book again because so much happens. Yeah, there was a lot. And Mm -hmm. Scarlett St. Clair, um, I mean, she is a very humble person. And she's like, well, you know, I just kind of like write what I like. But this is very thought out. Mm -hmm. She has done tons of research. She really puts love into her characters. And for those of you that don't know, she also wrote um, the Touch of Darkness series, which is a Hades and Persephone series, um, which is also pretty fantastic. I mean, Mm -hmm. we ended on a cliffhanger with the last book in that series. I'm so ready for the next two to come out this summer and in September. Um, and so like, I would highly recommend just going back and reading this again. I think it has huge, huge potential to get more popular, but Scarlet started as an indie author yeah. and just got picked up not too long ago by, um, Bloomsbury. So, mm-hmm. you know, she's definitely got more marketing behind her now, but she's still kind of an indie, indie author. And she talks about in the interview how like she gets to make her own rules because she started as a self-published person which is exciting for me because I like her rules. Yeah. And I think she is a really, really excellent author. Yeah. I have the same feelings as you guys do about this book. I really, really liked it. I would give it like an A minus four stars just because for me, like a five star book is a court of mist and fury court of silver flames, like beyond change my life kind of book. And this is really, really fantastic 
just not that level of fantastic for me personally. The only but reason it's still good, I, you I know? mean, I'm with you. The only reason I gave it an A minus was because I saw the reincarnation part coming. Yeah. But maybe she meant for us to. See, like, I wonder if yeah, she did. Yeah, and I I, but I, it didn't change I didn't how I felt it. about the book, really. <laughs> Sorry. She planted so. seeds <laughs> yeah. really early on. Go ahead, but... Wit, with your <laughs> grade. Sorry. No, I mean, that was pretty much it. I, I really liked it. I thought it was well written. I thought it was a good pace for being. Like you were saying, Mindy, for book one, there is a lot of world building and you do have to be introduced to the characters, but it didn't feel slow to me, you know, and even I actually think I did read it a second time before uh, I read Queen of Myth and Monsters and even reading it again, knowing the setup already, it didn't feel slow the way that reading Akatar feels slow the very yeah. beginning because it's yeah. like, OK, I know I know all this. I don't need to read well, it again. Well, it's because you know? he's old masturbates in like, the second <laughs> chapter. That's probably, yeah, she gets. It's like yeah. super and, turned on in the woods. And I was like, and, well, yeah. I'm kind of into it. Yeah, I know. I'm invested yeah. now. Yeah. And I will, you said this earlier, Deb, I think I appreciate that she's a strong, and you said this too, Mindy, that she's a strong woman. She's not a, an 18 year old virgin. Yeah. Right. Like she's not. She's 26. Yeah. She says she never 20s. plans on marrying. She is very settled in herself like she knows who she is she's not like it's not a coming of age story and she doesn't apologize for it yeah. which is refreshing i really appreciated that cuz i love i love all these other fantasy books that we read and talk about and so many of them are like she's 18 she just turned 18 i'm but like can i just say to to everyone that listens to this being comfortable in your sexuality does not make you a bad or a dirty no. person. Mm -hmm. Being Absolutely comfortable not. with your sexuality, number one, is sexy. Mm -hmm. Number two, I I believe that sexually, what we would call quote-unquote deviant behavior, stems out of not being able to be yourself. Yeah. So as long as people are being consensual and mm -hmm. they're adults and all of those things, you do you, boo. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> you do whatever turns you on as long as it's consensual and you're not like, you know, murdering people. Don't We've break already the law. established that all of us have different thresholds of what we find Right, you know, and sexy. I will tell you. So you two don't know this yet. My husband finds out about new things I like from the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he edits and produces the podcast, and he texted me the other day after I had put something in one of my. Did book he say reviews. good girl? He did. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even shout know out I, to Brian. Didn't even know I liked that until that moment. So I read. <laughs> I read Hooked by Emily McIntyre and it's called Praise Kink. And I I am not one of those people in general that needs to be like verbally like I don't need verbal affirmation. I'm just very confident and I don't give a fuck what people think of me, but I kinda like it. <laughs> I actually really liked it too until this video of some dude on TikTok who does that and it really turned me off of well, it. Well, but again, that? it's consensual. Exactly. It's something that someone the, likes. The TikTok FYP is non-consensual. Right. You're you're not <laughs> For sure. in in this particular type of praise kink. It's not like them demeaning you and telling right. you who you need to be. It's like essentially an affirmation yeah. of like it's you're a, doing great. <laughs> it's positive reinforcement. <laughs> right, exactly. So, um oh, read hooked by Emily McIntyre. It's That's a, funny. she says it's not a fairy tale retelling. It's a Peter Pan retelling. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say, um, I was at my husband's 
fifth-year-old grandmother's birthday reading this book. Um, me and my daughter are literally in the side room as the party's dying down, like, reading books, because that's what we do. And someone walks in, and they're like, oh, my gosh, what are you reading? And I'm like, um... And it was, like, a real nasty scene. <laughs> Peter Pan. And I was like, a Peter Pan retelling. <laughs> and she's like, that's neat. And I'm thinking, dear please God, don't please don't go look it up. up. Don't go look it up. Don't ask me any I'm more questions. Add it to my TBR. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, oh, don't. You wouldn't understand it. It's in French. Wee wee. 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 So let's talk about our nerdiest thing of the week. Who wants to go first? Well, since I already talked about what my husband figured out turns me on. That um, is so funny. <laughs> so we do record these a couple of weeks in advance, and we just had Valentine's Day. And I convinced my husband to Netflix and chill. Um, we were going to like go do salsa dancing. And you know, when you have kids, it's really hard to have one-on-one time. And we hadn't yes. watched a movie together in ages. And so, um, we do have a basement and like a little movie room we've created. So we went down there and I was like, let's watch like a scary, like slasher movie. And so, um, if you've listened to this podcast at all, you know that all three of us are huge Supernatural fans, right? We love the characters on that show. And so without even thinking about it, I picked My Bloody Valentine, which came out in like 2009. Because I'm like, oh, it's got the word Valentine in it. It's, an, it's a slasher film. It'll be funny. Lo and behold, the lead character is Jensen fucking Ackles from Supernatural. <laughs> and her husband thinks she's low-key like totally. <laughs> he does. He was like, what the fuck, Deb? <laughs> And I was like, what? Nothing. Keep watching. <laughs> so that was my nerdy. Was it a good movie? At least? It was a good movie. Yeah, yeah. I would highly recommend it. It was, it's got a good little twist. Um, Is Jen, it on Netflix? It, it was on Prime, I Prime, think, okay, but it was yeah. free on Prime if you have Prime. Um, but I did, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it's a remake, right? It yeah. did make me want to w- go back and watch the 1980s version. I want to see like how close they are. Right. And, but, um, you know, he is very angsty, just like he is with Dean. Right. And um, one thing I think we've learned about him, especially since he went on The Boys, is he can play a different type of character, yeah. right? And so I think at the time, in 2019, Supernatural was in, like, season five, and he was getting, like, typecasted a little bit. Oh, for sure. Like, the angsty, like, boy that's, like, quiet. Well, and, and I think a lot know. of times on CW and all that, they don't want them to branch out branch out right right well and at the time jared padalecki also did a horror movie that year he did a friday the 13th 13th. yeah Yeah. but he still plays sam yeah and same exact character in that movie and so i think they were like so in that supernatural world but i'm honestly not complaining i would if you like like very campy slasher like films i would recommend it okay i had fun with it mine i have a couple of them first of all i Again, it's no secret that I work in an elementary school. And so there was a little third grade girl. She's adorable. Uh, dresses like Wednesday all the time. I just, I adore her. But she came Like in, on purpose? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, she dyed her hair and everything. So she came in one day and had this necklace on. And I was like mesmerized by it. It was a, a Zodiac. So it was her Zodiac sign. And it said, I think she was a Sagittarius. And it said Sagittarius. And then it was a double necklace. And the one above it had like the constellation in little, um, not diamonds, but gemstones or whatever. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love your necklace. 
It's like, where'd you get it? And she's like, Forever 21. And so I literally went online and bought my little Aquarius necklace. That is so cute. I, would, I loved it. And then I thought, and then I and then I told her, I was like, I ordered my necklace. I, I loved yours so much. I ordered one. And I'm like, she thinks I, she's like, shit, I'm never wearing that necklace again. <laughs> she's like, fuck my teacher's wearing it now. So, but, but I just, I, it was so cute and so adorable. I loved it. And um, I wore it on Valentine's Day. So. I don't know. She's in elementary school, so she might think you're cool. She might. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. She she seemed a little bit like, why are you fucking talking to me? Uh, but um, but then my other one is that I had ordered from a long time ago. I ordered from a, a website called Probably Smut, and I think we did a little giveaway. We and, did some stickers. Yeah, from we did them. some stickers. From them. Yeah. They're they're real fun, and uh, I'd gotten some stickers from them, and they sent me a little thing saying, "Oh, we have new merchandise," and I went and looked, and they have like hockey porn stickers now and yes i ordered them they're on the way do they say you've just been pucked uh i think one of them does actually <laughs> yeah so probably smut if you need me to write some content for you i'm really good at it <laughs> what was the hockey uh terminology that we were texting about it was like butt ended is oh that, yeah is that what it was yeah, yeah. yeah. they should make probably smut you should make one so something about butt ended yeah, yeah i want you to butt end i'm telling you anybody <laughs> go watch a hockey game and it could be a drinking game with how many sexual things come up <laughs> so i'll tag it but there there is this guy oh, that we hysterical. all comment on his stuff and he did a whole like things you would hear in a hockey game that could be in a porn in novel the, yeah, yeah it was so <laughs> funny and he is so cute and like so unassuming and i think that's why people like him so much but his videos are so funny they're hilarious yeah Yeah. i didn't have a super nerdy week this week um several weeks ago we or i guess a little bit ago um deb and i got to go to lexington while mindy was on vacation i was riding roller coasters yeah i'm a little bummed but so were we But we got to go to an author interview at a uh, local local to Lexington bookstore um, and hear Scarlett St. Clair talk about Queen of Myth and Monsters and some of her other books. And that was really cool. So shout out to local bookstores. Be sure to check those yes. out in your area. Do you want to tell the audience what you asked her when she signed our books? <laughs> I, I sure. think that is the nerdiest thing. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> I've never, for the record, heard something like this come out of Whitney's mouth. <laughs> I told her no when we were in line while we were getting stuff signed, I said, hey, just so you know, if you want to start a sign up volunteer list for your sex scenes, for people to like act them to out, test your sexual <laughs> position yeah, to make sure that they're realistic, I would do that. <laughs> And she just laughed and didn't say like, hey, cool, let me have your number. (laughs) She was like, okay. Yeah, I did tell Robbie about that when I got home. He was like, why do you do that? (laughs) Here's the thing. She probably doesn't remember it. She probably thought it was funny, even if she she did. Well, she did laugh. Yeah, Yeah. she did laugh. laugh. And like, she was so fucking sweet. She was really funny. I want to be best friends with her. And she um, was really cool. You know, if you've not heard on the podcast or on Instagram already, we're going to be the panel moderators at Imaginarium Book Festival. I'm so excited to meet her since you all got to meet her and I didn't. Yeah. So it's May 20th and 21st. She's going to be on one of our panels and I'm like, how can I convince her to go have drinks with us? I know, right? (laughs) I bet she would be a great drinking buddy. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And she's really cool. I want to know and you know, in and this isn't in the notes we're going to post but in this interview she talks about how she is writing a sex scene at the airport and this very nerdy dude walks up and was like hey 
you look have we met before and like she said he had a pinky ring (laughs) so she's trying to write this nasty sex scene with Hades and Persephone and the guy with the pinky ring won't leave her alone and it was so hilarious what was so funny she's telling that story and as soon as she said he had a pinky ring like everybody in the audience was like oh absolutely (laughs) right we were all like immediately no all of you so we do have like five percent male listeners so I'm just gonna tell you five percent do not for the love of fucking god wear a pinky ring yeah just don't just say no just just don't do it we like necklaces step we away like from the belts pinky rings. like you know if you wear a ring on your middle finger it's fine the pinky ring is the pinky is associated with cocaine we think you are disgusting don't do it that was very passionate <laughs> Well, as she's talking about this guy, I'm like, he could have been fucking the, he could have been Adrian. And if he had been wearing a pinky ring, I would have been like, no, you have a small dick. Sorry. (laughs) Oh, man. I think the only other nerdy thing that I've done this week, the nerdiest thing, is um, I keep re-listening to the same song and trying to like sing harmony with it. (laughs) Which one? Which song? Um, It is a... Billie Eilish song, but it's Kelly Clarkson's cover of it, Happier Than Ever. It's really good. I it's, prefer Billie Eilish. I gotta say. Oh my say. gosh. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I think that's it. Yeah. 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 So season two starts next week. Yeah. With- next week is episode one of season two. We are talking about From Blood and Ash by Jennifer L. Armentrout. And next week we're going to be talking about chapter one. The Red Pearl. Mm. I can't wait. <laughs> We both we literally mm. spend too much time if, together. If, if you weren't going to read it before, hopefully that just convinced you. Definitely read it. All right, and we'll see, see you then. then. Bye. Bye. For exclusive content to keep up with all things nerdy, follow us on Instagram at Our Nerdiest Thing. We post book reviews, what to read next, and our cocktail recipes. Have something nerdy that you'd like to share? Email us at OurNerdiestThing at gmail.com. This podcast is edited and produced by The Story Guides. Thanks for listening.